Hey, do you want to be like me and make podcasts that everyone loves? Yeah, you do. But chances are, you don't want to spend a bunch of money doing it. No worries. A solution exists. Spotify's got a platform that lets you make podcasts super easy, then distribute those podcasts everywhere, and you can even earn money doing it. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Also, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. I'm speaking from experience when I say that all those additional features like video podcasts, Q&As, polls, those are things you won't find for cheap elsewhere. But with Spotify for podcasters, it's all totally free no catch. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Thanks. We love you. There is something to be said, though, for when you mess with somebody's source of income. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so he lost after this story. And it seems like they were alluding that due to this story, he lost the reelection that now his name's tarnished. And what's he going to do now? So I don't know. Did I ever tell you about my, the housekeeper I got out here? No. (laughs) Did you stab her seven times? Not at all. But I left her a one-star review, Mm. (laughs) which again, to some might be like stabbing them yeah, seven like what's, times. What's worse, honestly? Because that is her livelihood. And there's not a lot of options for cleaning people out here that I found. And it just kind of got to a point where I was like, okay, Jim and I are both working. You know, I used to enjoy getting a cleaning person once a month. Just it's nice to come home from work and your apartment's clean. The problem is our doors are locked here to the apartment building. So somebody has to be home to let her in. Plus I have a dog now. Yeah. So it's just easier to coordinate it on a day that we could take the dog somewhere and be out of the house for a few hours. And right from the jump, like we're texting like back and forth about what I'm going to need. And she's like, well, the first time you're going to need a deep cleaning and that is four hours and it's $55 an hour mm. and I need half up front. So that's two twenty, which is way more than I've ever spent on that's cleaning. Especially for the Midwest. Right. That's what I thought too. Like who's paying for this. But again, some of the services here, I do feel like are more expensive because it's not as saturated right. as it was back in California. So I went ahead and gave her like 110. And then again, it was just weird right off the bat. Like she kind of kept, I felt like I was tr- like jumping through hoops, trying to make a date work for her schedule. Uh, and it was like, well, I paid you. And so finally I was like, well, if you can't do it, then, you know, when I'm asking for then just go ahead and send me the money back. And she's like, I don't do refunds. Now this is her business. So she's choosing right. to keep the money. So whatever, we ended up working out a date. She came. I don't know if methy teeth are a descriptor, but something was off. I think they are. Okay. So I think people whatever. would know. People would know what you're talking about. Okay. So she, she cleaned the apartment, whatever. And then we scheduled for the next month. And last minute she was like, hey, just, you know, I have to bring my 
my kid, he's like an eight-year-old boy. Just so you know, I know you have a small dog um, and you have to let me in, but just so you know, he's definitely afraid of small dogs. (laughs) Oh, convenient. Right? So I've got Winx on my arm and I'm letting her in and he starts screaming bloody murder, which of course, Winx, of course, like, it's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Like at this point, I'd rather be chained up and living in a hole back in Tijuana, Mexico than having to deal with this pussy. So Winx runs into the room, starts pouting, you know, she's because she thinks she did something wrong. And it's like, no, again, this kid like is a little bitch. Like, don't worry about it. You did nothing. So whatever. And then it was annoying because it was like, you didn't ask. You just told me he was coming over when I got home. Like, you know, he's sitting on the couch watching Netflix with his legs like propped up on my coffee table. But whatever. Sure. I let that go. The third time. After she cleaned, and again, she only comes once a month. Five days later, she texted me. Oh, I got plant. Let me see. I know I had these texts. I should have known this would come up. I should have been ready. <laughs> <laughs> I have read them to people so often because I'm like, am I the drama? But I actually don't think I am in this case. So she goes, hey, girl, I hate to ask this, but would it be possible to have an advance payment for the end of September? <laughs> Five days after, if you can or don't feel comfortable, I understand my tire got popped and I'm short of getting it replaced. So totally understand if you can't, but I'm definitely reliable and good for my word. So I didn't answer her back. I think it was Labor Day weekend and I was doing something and then I was kind of like, God, do I want to use her or not again? Because I'm thinking like a tire, you know, even if you get it at Walmart, it's less than a hundred bucks. If you're always so busy that you're trying to schedule me in and I'm jumping through hoops to ever schedule anything with you, I would assume you're busy Like, why don't you ask, you know, there's still another three and a half weeks till you see me again. Like, why aren't you asking someone else? Right. Just very bizarre. So anyway, at the time I was looking for a job and I was just stressed out and I was like, you know, I'll use her one more time and then maybe I'll try to find someone, someone else. So I ended up writing her back and was like, Hey, I don't know if you can still come at the end of the month, which is like, you know, the next week, let me know if you can. And then she was like, oh, I'm so glad you got back to me. I assumed you weren't going to use me again. Yeah, I can do next month, but only if you pay me today. <laughs> right? Or I, yeah, I can do next week if you pay me today. If not, it's going to have to wait. And I'm like, okay, that's that's weird. But she's always shown up. So let me go ahead and just send it to her. So I did. And so she said she'd come the next Tuesday. And then, of course, Tuesday she canceled. And she was having a car problem. She was having car problems and I'm so sorry. I'm not going to be able to make it to you today. My car is not starting and I am at my first house. So at the moment I'm stranded and I obviously am having the worst of luck this month. Never an apology. Just Mm. basically go kick rocks, Carrie. Sure. I was like, all right, well, let me know when you're available to reschedule. She's like, oh, I definitely will. I'm so sorry. Whatever. And I was like, okay, well, the time I was like, let me figure out my schedule and I'll get back to you. So then the following week, I was like, let me know what your available days are this week. And essentially she's like, well, I don't know, maybe next Thursday in the afternoon, but it depends how long it takes at the first place. And it's just kind of like, again, like I just did you a favor. Yeah. Why are you making me feel like I'm inconveniencing you when this is what you do? So then I ended up writing her back later that day. I was like, well, let me know what days you have open and guaranteed And then either my boyfriend and I, like one of us will make ourselves available to let you in. She goes, I will, hun. Right now I am in fear. So that will have to wait. In fear? I don't want to infer that it's paranoia due to drugs. Yeah. Was it maybe a typo and she was on fire? (laughs) I don't know. So I just wrote, I'm sorry, question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm still polite to the end. Canadian polite to the end. 
and she has a read receipt. So I can see she read it, but didn't reply. And then mm. the next day she just sends me her availability. Like she didn't write to me <laughs> that she was in fear at all. <laughs> I'm in fear. What a weird thing. Right. To say. So I was just like, at that point, I'm like, I'm just going to cut my losses. You know, it, it's 80 bucks that I'm out. Not great, but I'm sure I've wasted way more yeah. money on stupid bullshit. I'm just going to let it go. She obviously needs it. I feel like that's what she's banking on is you just getting so frustrated that you're like, you know what? Fucking keep the money. It's fine. But it's kind of like she has like 4.9 stars on Facebook. And I'm thinking like, did you have friends write these? Did you write these under different accounts? Like, I don't get it. Like how you have, how you can keep a business afloat. Cause so far all of my interactions with her have been poor. And I used her very briefly. You obviously need money. I had no problem paying you early, you know, and I could have referred people to you. You think you would want to keep my good graces, but yeah, I just said, don't worry about it. I found someone else and she goes, okay, I'm sorry about the personal issues I've had going on lately, but I do understand. No apology. No, here's your $80. I feel so bad. So I went on Yelp and gave her a one-star review. I was nervous to do it on her Facebook page because I was like, she has my number. She knows where I live. If she is on drugs, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that she wouldn't wait for me or do something to me if I'm threatening her livelihood. But then I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It's not like she was in my house and stole from me, at least, you know, that I've seen. But it was more just like she was extremely unprofessional. I don't know. It it was like a (laughs) weird thing where I was like, I don't know if I should post but at the same time like I want to post but this is someone's livelihood that's my segue to this Vegas story yeah I think that makes (laughs) a very good segue everybody welcome to pretty scary pretty scary if you know a good cleaning lady please uh tweet me <laughs> at carrie martin 722 if twitter still around when this comes out boo boo yeah you forgot to add boo <laughs> end of that thank you for the gentle reminder carrie beyond your housekeeper drama how's it going it's so effing cold i just bought uh, a pair of dog uggs for winks my little baby it is so cold I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say, if everything I know about dogs is correct, you might need two pairs because. So they come in a set of four. Oh, okay, okay. But then I was like, "What size do I get her?" And it's kind of based on weight. I don't know. Just a little puppy. Math is not. Yeah, math and the metric system and all that is not really my forte. I'm not really sure what my forte is, but that's among the things that are not. So we'll see. It's Amazon. I feel like I could probably return them. I can certainly relate to it being cold. I went to a concert last night here in LA and I had to wear a hoodie. Mm, when I, I hate was that for you, Adam. Out on the town. It was, it dipped down Brisk. into the fifties later yeah. on in the night after I got home. It really it is probably 15 here. Oh today. yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't like that one bit. I am glad that I'm where I'm at and not in Iowa. Right. <laughs> you should be, even if it was warm out. But the cold doesn't help, and it does make me want to sleep 20 hours out of the day and eat soup 
And we already, we've had our Christmas tree up for like weeks now. <laughs> like I don't know what season it is. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what's happening. I will come out of the darkness in April or May. You know where it's really warm at pretty much all the time? Las Vegas? Las Vegas. Very good, Carrie. <laughs> oh my God. We are on the same page. Yes. Yeah, we're talking about Las Vegas this week. Not so much Las Vegas, just a thing that happened in Las Vegas. You said you had not heard anything about this, right? I had not. That is interesting. I thought this would be a thing that would at least make the true crime rounds a little more than it has. Because it is a very weird story and it involves murder, so... Yeah, I saw it was one of the morning shows. I, I don't know if it was the Today Show, but one of them with Oprah's best friend, Gail, you know, whatever sure. her name is. King. Uh, yeah, sure. She's royalty if you, say, if, if you say so. But I know it obviously made that. But I'm wondering if maybe the different true crime affiliates are waiting until, you know, it's maybe further along in the trial or he's been sentenced because it's only been, what, two months? Yeah, it hasn't been that long since this happened and yeah it could just be a case of there not being a whole lot to this incident which we should cut the drama and tell people what we're talking about which is the murder of las vegas investigative journalist jeff german but it's not german <laughs> like the way they were pronouncing it in the video it's like germane or something oh sure 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 yeah, I guess we have to do that, huh? Jermaine, is that how they were pronouncing it? Everything I took in for this was I read. I didn't watch any of the embed because a lot of times with local news stuff, they'll either they'll both post a video and text. But if you watch the video, it's just the text like they're the same thing. So I usually just read the text. Yeah, no, I watched the videos because I was also thinking it was Jeff German because that's exactly how it's spelled. It could be um, German. But it's not. Is it German? I don't think it's <laughs> Are you after my German? I like German the best. Okay, let's just call him that. What about Jeff G? Jeff. And Kenny G? Let's just call him Jeff. Even better. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, he was found dead outside his Las Vegas home back in September. So this is a very recent crime. So... This episode might be a little shorter than usual because this is definitely not a cold case. They made an arrest pretty quick. Mm -hmm. I don't know why anyone thinks they can get away with murder anymore. I mean, because the police are lazy and like 50% of murders go unsolved. Sure. But like this, like you really think you're out in a neighborhood and no cameras are following you? Come on. I mean, he's definitely a little man. Yeah. <laughs> If you know anything about little people, uh, they're mad at the world and they think they're above the law. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't that ironic. More like you're below the law because they're very short. Yes. Right. You have to be this tall to break the law. Yeah. The suspect in this case definitely seems like he had some anger issues. That's for sure. The murder was intense. He was stabbed seven times. Four of those wounds were in the neck which any true crime show will tell you, that means the person knew him really well. So it's probably a family member or a loved one because to be that passionate about killing someone, you got to have strong feelings for him. Well, he is also probably stabbing up. You know, <laughs> he couldn't get any higher. Yeah, he's jumping. So <laughs> you can't be exact. 
in where you hit. Mm -hmm. And yeah, as you'd expect, given Jeff's line of work, the immediate question was whether his murder was tied to his job. Because despite all the enemy of the people talk that has happened in regards to the mainstream media over the past few years, journalists getting murdered over their work is still relatively rare in the United States. Which I find surprising because rich people are assholes and rich people are the ones who can get away with killing journalists. So I am surprised it doesn't happen more here. I mean, if Trump hasn't done it yet, then I feel like no one else has an excuse to have done it. Yeah. We also this week on the Unpops Network, on the main Unpops podcast, we talked about a story that also just broke in like October. There's this ABC News reporter and producer named James Gordon Meek. He, back in April, got raided by the FBI and just, like, disappeared. Whatever they raided him over didn't have anything to do with his work, allegedly. But he was also very critical of the Biden administration and especially the way Biden pulled out of Afghanistan. And he was set to receive an award for his reporting on Afghanistan he was pushing this documentary that was getting a bunch of Emmy buzz. And then the FBI raided his home in April and he fell off the face of the earth. Like he's still alive. The Daily Mail like tracked him down to his mother's townhouse outside D.C. But beyond that, he hasn't tweeted anything since April. He's not working. His name has been removed from all the projects he was working on. It's very weird. But so what are they suspecting that someone's threatened him? It seems that way. He did this documentary on the conspiracy podcast this week. We're covering the documentary. It's called 3212 Unredacted. And it's about an ISIS ambush that happened in 2017 in Niger. And four American soldiers were killed. And this documentary provides a version of events that is way different than the Pentagon's version of events. But the documentary still got made and it still came out. But a couple months before this FBI raid happened, another ABC News producer who also worked on that documentary, a guy named Brian Epstein, he just quit, like, with very little notice, quit his job at ABC. When a reporter called him about this documentary and about James Gordon Meek going missing. His only reply was, I'm not commenting on that and hung up. So something this guy found or was covering or was about to cover really got under the government's crawl. So what was the point of the FBI raiding him? You they know what know I mean? Yet. They don't okay. know yet. That's the thing. The Department of Justice put out a statement and said basically that, well, we put a law in place in 2021 that the feds can't raid a reporter and take their investigative work if the stuff that they have was obtained in the course of their job. So what they were saying without saying it explicitly is this raid was not related to his job. So, But I think you can say anything, you know. Well, what I would suspect is... Even if the actual raid itself wasn't related to his job, I wouldn't be surprised if they started investigating him because of what he was doing at his job and 
just tried to find something that they could raid him and end his fucking career over. And it seems like it worked. So I have a relative who works for the FBI and I'll just call her. Oh, yeah. Give her a call. (laughs) I'm sure she would love to be a guest. Oh, my God. Can we we get her on the (laughs) phone to talk about this? It would be amazing. She wouldn't be able to say anything. It's an on, like well, when they asked the FBI, they said it's an ongoing investigation. Right. So I'm just interested though, like where do you go from there? You know what I mean? Like what jobs does he apply for now? Like how does he make a living? Even kind of when they were talking about this Jeffy guy, they essentially said, you guys have no idea. Like he was in Vegas reporting on mafia and criminal activities. Yeah. And still, I think the worst that had happened was he was punched by someone once. He wasn't mafia. I think he also was somebody political, if I remember correctly. And it's just kind of, again, what do you do? I would assume being a journalist, especially if you're like digging deep, you're going to make enemies and you're putting your life on the line. And it's not like you've got a badge. You're not the law. Right. You're just digging into people's business. I think that might be one of the more dangerous jobs to pursue. Yeah, I mean, being an obviously we have a dead person on our hands. Well, see, that's the thing. They talk about this in regards to Russia a lot, too. And this isn't me defending Russia, but people have to understand when it comes to the way Russia and all of our enemies are talked about in the media, there's always going to be a little tinge of American propaganda with it. And what you always hear in Russia is, oh, they kill journalists. And that immediately spins to, oh, Vladimir Putin kills journalists. But what happens way more in Russia is the oligarchs who control that country kill journalists. When journalists start looking into their business affairs, they don't need to go to Putin and have him kill that journalist. They just pay someone to do it themselves. So a lot of those journalist murders in Russia I have no doubt some of them are tied to Putin, but some of them are shit like this, where a journalist just investigates the wrong person. Absolutely. And if it wasn't him, if somebody else, because they were saying he was one of the rare investigative journalists, because now with journalism, they want to do less local stories. They want to do like broader stories that probably appeal to more of a mass audience. Right. But he still liked to do local stories. And all being said, it's interesting because right away, his cohorts suspected the guy who killed him of killing him, even though I want to say he had done like covered the story like in February of this year, like it'd been enough time. Yeah. That had passed, but still there was something about this guy that they're like the story that Jeff had investigated about him wasn't overtly serious. We'll get to who killed him later on in the episode, but it leads me to believe there was something else about this guy where they were like, oh, he'll murder someone someday. Like Mm -hmm. the circumstances behind this lead me to believe that like this guy was going to fucking murder somebody someday. Well, even based on his job, and I know we'll get to that as well, but essentially they're like, not everybody knows that this job exists. It's it's an elected position where you essentially are, I, I think, in charge of if somebody did not leave a will. Yeah. It, that's it when he gets involved. Wills and estates. Right. Yeah. And they say, you know, essentially a lot of people don't know about this job and those who do are dead. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. so if you're. Wanting to be shady, I mean, this is probably a great career path for you. Yeah, and you got to take into account 
not everyone who reaches like a quasi high level government job or a job you have to be elected for. It doesn't mean they're smart and it doesn't mean they're good people. It just means they got the right breaks in life. They went to the right college. They know the right people and they got this job. This guy, we'll talk about the guy in a minute. Like we're jumping way ahead, but it is a tense time for journalists right now in the United States. Again, journalists getting murdered over their work is rare here. It's happened 16 times over the past 30 years, apparently. That is according to the Committee to Protect Journalists. There was that incident in 2015 where a local reporter and a cameraman were killed on the air by a former colleague. That was pretty wild. In 2018, a man who was mad about how his criminal proceedings were reported on shot and killed five people in the newsroom of the Maryland Capitol Gazette. And there was also that incident where a Republican congressional candidate body slammed a Guardian reporter in Montana because he was mad about the question he asked. Did you watch this video? I did not. The thing about it is there's not video of it. So... People at home can enjoy it the same way we will. The audio is good enough. Here goes. And we'll talk talk to you about that later. Yeah, but there's not going to be time. I'm just curious if you have to speak with Shane, please. The last time you came here, you did the same thing. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. The last guy did the same thing. You were the guardian? Yes, and you just broke my glasses. You last guy did the same damn thing. You just body slammed me and broke my glasses. Get the hell out of here. You'd like me to get the hell out of here, I'd also like to call the police. Can I get you guys' names? Hey, you gotta leave. He just body slammed me. You gotta leave. You know what happened to that guy for body slamming that reporter? Nothing. Nothing. Trump called him my guy at a rally. Later, like you heard, that reporter was like, can we call the police? And they were like, no, get the fuck out of here. And that is one thing I, I wouldn't have the balls to be a reporter. Like, I'm not tenacious enough. If he's like, get out of here, I'd have been like, okay. You know, like I would have stayed because sometimes it feels like they're egging him on and goading him a bit. Yeah. Right. But I mean, if somebody had just physically attacked me, like I would have hightailed it out there because obviously if they're going to do that. What else are they capable of? And yet he stood his ground and. Yeah, I mean, good for him. But him continually saying you broke my glasses. It's like, come on. That's what they expect a reporter to say after you've been body slammed. Just take your broken glasses quietly and say something a little harder. That's why they didn't care when he said, can we call the police? Because he was like, you broke my glasses. (laughs) They're like, shut up, nerdlinger. Go call the police from a rural payphone. You'll find one. Well, depending on the frames, I mean, yeah, they could yeah. be expensive. Could be, could have been some designer. I mean, I'm sure those coastal elites writing for the Guardian mm. probably did, you know, spend big money on eyewear. Right, right. So, yeah, in the wake of this murder, the Nevada Press Association issued a statement saying that if it turned out that he was murdered by a public official he was investigating, this is a quote. That would be a dagger directed at the heart of a free press and a blow to our democracy, end quote. And here's the thing. I don't actually know if this is that. I bet if you dig into it, this guy was murdered more because he cost someone a job and not like the story itself. I just I can't picture it being a thing that would lead to murder. It's nuts. 
but that's where it goes. I actually think it might be like Jeff Gorman. I remember thinking there was an O instead of an E in his name. I can't let this go. I'm sorry. I'm being handed a paper from off camera. What is this? Uh, oh, it says here it's Jeff Gurman. <laughs> One of the producers on the show, they were doing off in the war room doing mm -hmm. research. and they It's just, just a soft G instead of a hard G. Yeah. Just a we were close. Jeff Gurman. Yeah. No, it's a hard G instead of soft. Yeah. Jeff Gurman. Either way. Either way. Either way it works. So the thing about this murder, there was a pretty huge break for police in this case in that there was surveillance footage of the whole crime. I guess he maybe thought he disguised himself well enough mm -hmm. that it wouldn't matter because you got to be smart enough to know there's ring doorbells and surveillance cameras on every everywhere. House like they are everywhere. And all the police got to do is knock on a door and ask if you have a camera. And that person is going to let the police look at the footage if a murder has happened. Like, I don't super duper trust the police, but if I had a ring doorbell and someone was murdered in front of my house, I'd probably give up that footage so the police could solve that murder. Like, Oh, of course. And at that point, you don't know, is this personal? I mean, most likely it is, or is this just a random attack? And of course you're going to give it up, I would think. Yeah. So on this footage... A suspect in a straw hat and a reflective orange shirt is walking east and arrives at Jeff Gurman's property around 1118 a.m. So this is the middle of the day. And they were saying, too, it was triple degree heat in September. So the fact that he had long pants, long sleeves, it stood out. But it was a bright orange reflective shirt. I mean, it would catch anyone's attention. I wonder if he was trying to make himself look like a landscaper. I was going to say construction. Uh, yeah, it's got to be construction because the thing about landscaping in Vegas is there is none. It's too hot. Like no one has lawns. Like it's just rocks in front of people's houses. It was a very interesting disguise. But then again, he was by himself. It's not like he had tools or anything in his hand. Right. So. And so the suspect walks to the west side of the property, crosses through this pedestrian gate. And after a few minutes, the garage door opens and Jeff Gurman walks out to the west of the home toward that pedestrian gate. And as he approaches the gate area, he's immediately attacked. They said he falls to the ground, never gets up. And the suspect, according to police, just stood up and calmly walked east away from the residence. And if the surveillance footage stopped there, he might have gotten away with this. But about six minutes later, a maroon GMC Denali, Yukon Denali, you'll see it called either Denali or Yukon in different articles, parks directly in front of Jeff Gurman's home. And the same suspect that was just seen walking toward his home exits that vehicle and returns to the area where Jeff Gurman is at. And it seems like he's looking for something like he clearly has left something at the scene. And then he gets back in the Denali and drives off. I mean, the car is big and, you know, a, a different color. It definitely stands out. Obviously, he thinks that he left something. And I think the one thing they did say is he left his phone at home. I think for somebody who is, you know, my guess is he's narcissistic. You know, I think he thought that was enough. Yeah. Hey, I'm wearing a disguise. And I also, 
you know, left my phone at home so they can't track me. But the fact that Jeff walked out in the direction where he was hiding, I would assume that his killer had been casing like his patterns. Oh, yeah, he had to, which that's creepy. I mean, he stabbed a guy seven times. That's creepy also. So I just think it'd be interesting that, you know, if they start looking through other footage of the neighbors and see that, you know, that yeah. same Denali had been by in the neighborhood at different hours or for some time leading up to that. And so the thing about Jeff Gurman, again, investigative reporter, he worked at a newspaper called the Las Vegas Review Journal, and his colleagues were understandably distraught upon learning of his murder. And they start brainstorming, well, who could have done this? And they they start trying to come up with a list of suspects, which was not easy. This is a quote from executive editor Glenn Cook. It's a line of people from here to Los Angeles. He covered a ton of bad people who did a lot of bad things. The head of the paper's investigative unit, Rhonda Prast, immediately lands on one name, Robert Tellis. And that's a weird choice because we've been hinting at it this whole episode. But Robert Tellis's job he was the clark county public administrator it's a position that is voted on but it's like that bottom of the ballot shit that you really have to consult your local newspaper to find out who they endorse for that job and nine times out of ten they're gonna be like who fucking cares because this is they just administer wills and estates there's a quote later in the notes from a reporter who's like you only know about this office if you die without a will and then you still don't know about it because you're dead. So like this is a nothing government department. But the thing is, Jeff German had reported extensively on Robert Tellis and his office because Robert Tellis was accused of bullying and he was accused of having inappropriate relationships in the workplace. And I don't like that's news, you know, like it's 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 news. But it's not the kind of news you think is going to end in something like this. Well, exactly. Well, essentially, he lost his primary bid for reelection. And I mean, I don't know if he was doing anything weird other, you know, outside of like the bullying and inappropriate. Like, I wonder if he was doing anything or could he do anything with like the deeds and will money? Like, is there more for it? Like, how was Jeff tipped off? Why was there extensive reporting like you would think it would be like a one story and done they have a picture where you can tell jeff and robert are talking and it almost looks friendly at least cordial yeah and it's from may of 2022 so four months before he murdered him allegedly and yeah he he ends up losing his primary bid they have talked about other reporting that was maybe gonna come out and I know his colleagues, Jeff German's colleagues, have already broken another story about Robert Tellis being, I think, convicted of domestic battery in 2020. So maybe there are much worse things coming out about him. That I mean, his wife's obviously staying with him. You know, when this came out, she was still married to him through infidelity and through, it looks like, an assault charge. Right. So she wasn't going anywhere. I think more it was about if he is narcissistic, his ego. And, you know, I think they said his job was $120,000 a year. You can have a comfortable life in Vegas with that. Oh, sure. Yeah, very much. And so the the newspaper has their suspicions that it's Robert Tellis, but the police still have to 
find proof of that. And that part's really interesting. The newspaper was allowed to review the surveillance footage, which was a smart move on the police's part. Because what happened is once they had Robert Tellis on their mind, they start going to look at whatever they have on him. And one of the things they have is just this video of him walking down a hallway. And what they notice is that the suspect in the surveillance footage is walking the same way mm-hmm. Robert Tellis walked. The same gate, yeah. Yeah. And not long after that, the police tell the public that they are looking for a maroon GMC Yukon Denali. And Jeff German's colleagues at the newspaper do a really unique thing that I don't know I would have thought to do. They pull up Robert Tellis's home address on Google Maps and they go to the street view. And what do they see? A maroon GMC Yukon Denali in his parking lot, which. And I think when the police either picked him up for questioning or to arrest him, he was like outside in the parking or in his driveway washing it. Well, I've read two articles that explain that different ways. There is one that says the police saw him washing his car, but I read another one that said the reporters, because after they find his home on Google Maps and see that Yukon, a team of reporters and photographers from the paper go stake out the neighborhood. And I think they're the ones who saw him washing the car. And then alerted police. But yeah, either way, they saw him washing his car shortly after the murder. I mean, he doesn't even try to hide it. That's the crazy thing that I think is so brazen. Like, park it in your garage, at least for a little while. Rent a car. Yeah. Like, granted, that's difficult and expensive these days. I don't know if this guy's living paycheck to paycheck. Maybe he just didn't have the $280 it costs to rent a car at Enterprise for a day now. Do it on Turo. Yeah, but I feel like it's also so so many criminals rent cars that, again, he didn't try to hide his car. In fact, they showed him in his car still wearing that orange shirt that stood out. I mean, he really wasn't trying to hide anything, even if he would have hired someone. I don't know. I think they would have found him eventually either way. Yeah. He was sloppy. He was very sloppy. But using your own car, that's really dumb. And then you park it outside. It's just so interesting. Yeah. Like he wasn't really trying to cover up anything except for wearing that large brim straw hat, you know, and his outfit was confusing in and of itself. I still don't know. Like if he was dressing up for Halloween, what would what would you have classified his costume as? And also the part where police search his house and they find this is a quote, a mutilated sun hat. Mm-hmm. Why do you? How, right. are, how are you planning a murder, but not planning how to get rid of all that shit afterwards? Like, that's such an integral step. You got to have like a trip to a jack in the box planned where you can just toss that in a dumpster like Ray Lewis after he did not murder that guy after the Super Bowl in 2000. But what does cutting it up do? Yeah. Did he just like cut it up and leave it in his house? I mean, like, obviously. Like, is that a sun hat? No, officer. That's pieces of a sun hat. <laughs> That hasn't been a sun hat for 20 years. If you you put it back together, you would still have no idea that it was me wearing it. (laughs) Yeah, like fucking burn it. There's a lot of things he could have done. Like not have done it. Yeah, he could have. For starters. Yeah, like not committing the murder. That would have been really smart. 
moved on with his life. Yeah, yeah. Just found a different job, you know. Go or work. do that job somewhere else. Yeah, People go, forget. Go work in the private sector. Everybody likes a good comeback story. Yeah, and I'm not at all joking when I say he would have found someone who would have been a sympathetic ear when he was like, mm, fucking woke culture, I got canceled because I dated a girl in my office. Someone would have been like, fuck yeah, dude, you're hired. I right. can sympathize. He would have been fine. That's what's so fascinating about this and so baffling is like, yeah, it's tied to this guy's job, but like what else was going on that made this guy fucking stab this dude four times in the neck? And That's why just, I feel like it has to be ego and narcissism that somebody got something over on him. First of all, when you bully, especially when you're older, you know what I mean? Like haven't you matured out of bullying? If you were a bully, he most likely was bullied growing up. And so he turned around and used like his little bit of power and ran with it. I think it was just part of his psyche. Like he couldn't let this guy win. Yeah. I mean, that had to be a huge part of it because otherwise just let this guy win. Yeah. It seems like his wife is supportive and cool, even though she did tell police that she wasn't able to contact him during the time window when the murder happened. And he was only gone for two and a half hours. What do you need? Yeah. What do you need from him? She sounds codependent, Yeah, I what? think. I did kind of wonder that. It's like, what the fuck? Is it work? <laughs> what do you need? He just left the house. Police look at his phone. There's 25 texts from her. <laughs> she probably thought he was cheating. Yeah. Because bitches be tripping sometimes. You know how it is, Adam. Right? So they also said, too, when they were interviewing his co-workers, I think he was like 69. And so they were like, nice. oh, at first, when we heard <laughs> that he had passed away, you know, our original thought was it must be, you know, he was older in life. Maybe he, he had a heart attack or something. But then we saw homicide units in his neighborhood. And that's when we realized, no, it's murder. But yeah. at first, he was probably close to retiring and, you know, it, it could have been natural causes, but it wasn't. Yeah. And then it also said that they found DNA under Jeff's fingernail. So my guess is he was fighting back for trying to. Yeah, he must have. Scratching at the top of his head. Yeah, I mean, instinctively, unless you're like George Harrison or some shit, you're going to do something when you're getting stabbed. Yeah. You know the George Harrison story, right? Someone broke in his house and started stabbing him and he was his wife found him shouting Hari Krishna and just getting stabbed in the kitchen and she like saved him because his no. re his religion was completely anti-violence so if you're getting stabbed you just take it, was it. just praying yeah it seems like such like you said like an instinct just to fight back you know in some way to try and grab the knife or something there's one more quote the reporter we mentioned earlier his name's John L. Smith. He's the one who gave the quote about, you don't know this department exists until you're dead, and then you don't know. This is another quote. The sad irony was that this was a run-of-the-mill inquiry into office politics. The lesson for all of us is that you don't always know who you're talking to. You don't necessarily know what else is going on in their lives. And I think that's the message here. Right. And it's 100% not meant to victim blame. Like, no one could have seen that this story that Jeff German was reporting on was going to be the one that's going to get him murdered. But you just never know. And well, I feel where advice like that is more applicable 
is like out in the real world in like road rage situations and shit like that. Or just like you get in a dispute with someone at a fucking football game. You never fucking know who you're dealing with in situations like that. And it's best to not try to be cool and stand up to them. Like, give that motherfucker space. It's okay to be uncool. Yeah, it's okay to not get murdered. That, that's ideal. But, yeah, there was nothing Jeff Gurman was going to do to avoid this. I feel like this Robert Tellis guy was just going to murder someone. Right. He was like a pot that was about to boil over. And, again, maybe something else was going to be exposed. Maybe something else will still be exposed. He had a great position where he was hiding in plain sight. Yeah, he's got to be one of those people who's just kind of, like, been sort of coasting. Like, he's at this government position. Mm -hmm. He's got, like, $100,000 a year salary. And... I don't know. You got to see his face. Like he's got the face of someone who would murder a guy for getting him fired from his job. They always say like to reach really high levels of government, you got to be kind of a a psychopath or a little bit of a sociopath. I mean, not to get political, I'm not saying, you know, I feel one way or the other, but who would have thought that the January 6th riots ever would have happened? You know, that, that that would have happened. And now he just announced that he's running again. Like, you know, there is a certain sort of bravado with certain people where they feel like they're above the law and can get away with things and don't like to be called out on their bullshit. Yeah. I, I personally know. love being called out on my bullshit. Oh, so. me too. I do yeah, bullshit yeah. just so people can call me out on it. That's the only In fact, reason. if you want to call me out on my bullshit, I am Carrie Martin 22 on Instagram. <laughs> and if Twitter is still around, Carrie Martin 722 and Carrie Martin on Yelp, where you can see that I left... A recent one-star review for somebody. This probably is the right time for plugs. I think we've, we've <laughs> covered everything. It's still a developing story, but it's one that I feel like isn't on a lot of people's radar. And it seems like it's worth following. There's got to be more to know about Robert Tellis. I wouldn't be surprised if we find out this motherfucker killed someone before. Now, I definitely think this will be like a 48 hours. I think they're waiting for more about the trial and the sentencing. And I think we should have a follow up episode. Oh, yeah, for sure. This is legitimately a story I will keep an eye on. It's one that I've been kind of sitting on for a while. And it's just like there aren't really like those shocking revelations aren't really coming out yet, except for the domestic violence thing. But they do say there's other reporting coming out about Robert Tellis. And it's like, should have just been happy that you had that job as long as you did, pal. And his coworkers all had nothing but great things to say about him. I got very emotional. So I think in and of itself, his coworkers are going to see the story through. Yeah, Jeff Gurman's coworkers, by the way. Yes. Not Robert Tellis's coworkers, who all seem to hate him. <laughs> exactly. Seem like a real piece of shit. So I think that's our episode, right? It feels like a good closing point for now. Do we have anything to plug? Sure. Sure we do. I would love to plug my newsletter, adamtoddbrown.substack.com, that you can subscribe to. Right now, everything on there is free, but eventually you'll have to pay me. And you can pay me now if you want also. That would be great. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm, you know, back to writing semi-full-time. I was really getting into a groove until someone broke a dental needle off inside my jaw. But looking at you now, you can't tell you're as fresh faced as ever. Yeah, I think it's actually like reversing a little bit of aging (laughs) in me. This might be the thing. 
More people should do it. Yeah. If nothing else, I might just have them leave it in and hit the conspiracy theory circuit and be like, look what the government did to me. They put an <laughs> implant in my face. I got an x-ray. You can see it here. People would believe me. Even, yeah, probably. Even if they listen to this conversation. <laughs> what if you go back to your dentist's office and they're closed and the office is vacant? Yeah, yeah. There's no <laughs> there signage. Could be a sign. No signs, anything. Mm-hmm. Just an outline where the sign used to be. It's like a Bass Pro Shop. They're like, it's been a Bass Pro Shop for years. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? This has always been a Jamba Juice. It's not. So, uh, yeah, adamtybrown.substack.com. The newsletter's called In Broad Daylight, and I write about cool shit. So go read it. I believe it. And, yeah, I guess Adam Todd Brown on Twitter. That's Todd with one D. And on it, I'm using Instagram more these days. We should. Yeah. Follow us there. Me and Carrie both. And the show, Pretty Scary Boo. We'll start up. <laughs> we don't post on it. Yeah, we'll start using it. Don't worry. Uh, the one time you sent me a login, I was in Vegas, like on freaking mushrooms and alcohol. So I wasn't logging in. Oh, were you in the vicinity of Jeff German's home? Oh, wait. <laughs> Actually, that would have been. No, it would have been after this happened. Oh, OK. Surprising. I didn't hear about it at the pool. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's. Hot talk around the, the pool at the D. I don't know. Where'd you stay? <laughs> uh, where did I stay? The Park MGM. Oh, very nice. I'm going to Las Vegas in April and I will be staying at Planet Hollywood. Oh, fun. Because the Planet H. I am seeing Miranda Lambert. She has a residency at Planet Hollywood. And so we're going to go to that and uh, spend a weekend in Vegas. Go to the That'll haunted, be fun. Go to the Haunted Mansion again. See what's new. I love a good Vegas trip. I got a message from uh, Jessica Alberico Silker, uh, who's listened for years, and she was sending me a TikTok about a lady who reads faces, and she read Zach Begin's face, and it is pretty funny. Essentially, she was like, in every picture, his head is tilted back, which means he's looking down on everybody. It's like a whole reading. And I would say it's like 90% negative, but it's <laughs> anyway, if you can find her on TikTok, it is just a funny watch. Everyone go find that. And uh, I think that's it, right? Yeah, I think so. Let's get out of here. Carrie, say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. <laughs>